0: Before we begin today's pod, just wanted to take a little bit of time out to acknowledge the, the horrible tragedy that happened in Ovalde, Texas uh, yesterday, uh, the, the shooting that happened there at the elementary school, 19 children, two adults killed, just horrific, horrific event, um, can't begin to describe just... Uh, how I feel about this situation, how I think you, maybe you feel about the situation, then, but it's just it's a senseless act, and it's sad that we've had to endure this. So many of these over the last year, over the last several years, um, this is not new to anyone living in the U.S., um, and to see these parents and these families have to go through this, especially when we're talking about elementary school children, I, I don't know what to say, but it's it's devastating. Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's about as
1: gut wrenching of uh, an act that can ever take place to harm children, who's who are of course, you know, the most innocent, the purest among us, and you know, the future of, of our society. And all of these uh, shootings, whether it's of day, whether it's Buffalo, whether it's the countless ones before, like you just mentioned, they hurt each in a different kind of way. I think obviously, when you when you when you're talking about you know, second, third, fourth graders, it, that that pain is just different. Um, What can we say, man? I mean, the deepest, most, you know, sincere, wholesome condolences to the families and everything that they're going through and everything, you know, the years, if, you know, it'll take to put put together the pieces of what happened. Um, You know, we don't have to get into the policy debate here, but I guess I just hope that, you know, I try to be optimistic and I hope that eventually, you know, their sacrifice will not be in vain and there will be some real change in a way that can prevent, you know, future generations from going through this uh, or at least prevent it as much as as much as possible. And, you know, who who knows kind of what will come out of this. But again, it's better to be hopeful and optimistic than the other
0: way around, which is a really dark place when you hear about something like this. Absolutely. And it's easy to get mired and feel like, you know, the situation is going to continue to happen, but I think all of us, and I know you agree with this, um, it's not just about the prayers and support, right? Which is obviously needed at this time, but uh, in any way, people can can take some action and do what they can, right? As much as they can. I think that's important. Um, and so, and I know you feel that way, I feel that way, uh, and I hope everyone else who sees this and everyone's affected by this in some way. It doesn't matter if you have kids, it doesn't matter um you know what you what you feel about even gun control this is something that it should affect yeah. everyone at you know and and deeply hit everyone and i think whatever we can do i encourage everyone to do that yeah absolutely well said all right and now to tonight's episode Welcome to another episode of thick and thin hoops where ball is always life I'm your host Karthik here with my co-host Nitin
1: what's good Nitin what's up man we are uh almost at the end of the playoffs and I don't know that I can point to more than like three or four things that you know would wake me up out of my sleep if I was you know happen to not catch one of these games this is a snooze fest of epic proportions add one more to the ledger tonight with Boston beating. Uh, Miami in a pivotal game five, 93 80. What's going on, man, with these playoffs? Can we talk about that as a whole? Like, what the hell is happening? Is this common? Are we just, is this recency bias where we forget how many blowouts there typically are? Something's got to be up, right?
0: I'm glad you brought it up. I want to break this down because there are a lot of theories floating out there that I'd like to touch on each of them. I think it's obviously a combination of multiple things, but it is ridiculous to me that we are. Having these double-digit blowout games, and look—it's not just the games where Dallas, my uh, and Golden State, hot shooting teams, fine, but even these defensive slugfests, you'd expect them—one of them—to be close. And even tonight's game between the Heat and Celtics was closed for a good amount of time, and then the fourth quarter wasn't even competitive. So, what? Okay, let's start with what do you think is the leading reason for? And just to just to clarify, this is not this is something that. In this playoffs, we've had the most number of double-digit, I think, uh, end results. Fewest clutch minutes. I think across the board, every stat you look at, this is one of the worst postseasons in terms of competitiveness. So what are are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, and and to to put a finer point to that, this is the 18th playoff game. Of the last 18 playoff games, let me say, there have been seven total minutes of clutch uh, playoff basketball. And what clutch time indicates is, The score within five points either way with five minutes left in the game. So the number one thing, and Jeff Van Gundy has talked about this for years, it's a make or miss league, right? I think that's becoming even more prevalent when you take a higher degree of difficulty shots with lower percentages. Now, we know what the math says, right? Like a 35% uh, from three is better shot than 45% from two, just given the expected value. But it does mean that there's a lot more misses and it's less likely to hit a three than a two, just whatever way you want to slice it, right? Overall, for the course of the game, of course, yes, you get more on average, but single games eliminate the idea of sample size because the sample size is so small. It turns into basically which team is making shots and which team just isn't. If you look at these two series in particular, think about what Dallas did in game one where we talked about uh, they went 11 of 48, including 44 of those being open threes. They just missed them. Game two, they made them for a half and then missed them all second half. And then you can pretty much chart all of this series, the the Miami-Boston Golden uh, Boston series, to, to Miami or Boston just absolutely forgetting how to shoot. That's why you see these massive runs in individual quarters. That's why you see, you know, big halftime leads or big comebacks. You know, today Boston was down, what, five at the half? By the end of the third quarter, they're up 20. Um, Miami... I, Cover your ears here. Uh, 7 of 45 from 3 tonight. Jesus. Including their backcourt. Let me let me pull this up just to make sure I don't lose track. So their starting backcourt, Kyle Lowry and Max Struess went 0 of 15, including o of 12 from 3. Across the last two games, Game 4 and Game 5, they are 1 and 28 combined. So the make or miss league th- uh, concept has turned into a very much almost the only thing that matters in a given game and that's not something i love to see as like a guy who enjoys stylistic differences between teams and sort of the chess match within within the game so that's that's point one what do you think about that
0: yes shooting variance i think is obviously one of the biggest reasons i think just building on that though part of it is these teams it's one thing to give up a run and another team that's hot but i don't know why these teams can't counter and slow down and and get some buckets in between like why are we seeing a 21 to 2 run a 24 to set like these runs because i think these teams rely so much on three-point shooting and when one team gets hot and then you start missing and clanking your threes that's what leads to that just all of a sudden huge lead disparity that happens in the span of minutes whereas i think in the past you could weather these runs with guys who are more kind of oriented towards scoring in the Ice, you know, the ISO game, the mid range game. I think now you're fighting fire with fire, and then when you go ice cold, you just fall behind way too fast. So it is still the shooting variance issue, but I just think that these teams aren't equipped to stop runs. Like if you think imagine LeBron, right? Or LeBron's they have no
1: other way to they have no other way to generate offense. They're like all we can do is just hoist and that's it. And if it doesn't work, we're just gonna hoist some more. That's it. They don't have, and you get and you get like... rushed,
0: like and it's it's like when you know when we play in two K, one person gets out to a lead, and then you start just hoisting bad shot after bad shot. Yeah. I think these teams get get caught up with the same kind of issue.
1: Like Gabe Vincent thought he was Steph Curry across with Ray Allen today when he was trying to bring them back by himself, and so you know the other it's a good point there's no very there's no uh stylistic difference in the game way they play and so it makes it hard to counter when your first move doesn't work they don't really have a second move right we've seen that with every team that struggle to come down in fact golden state's probably one of the more diverse offenses just because they have a lot of motion they can get to the rim they obviously have all world shooters boston is a team that if they want to be, they can score in a different ways, but it really depends on which type of Jason Tatum woke up or which one even shows up for that particular half um, and whether Jalen Brown can go more than three seconds without dribbling the ball off his foot. But there is so little um, in terms of the plan B right now, I think maybe across the league, that's it's really hurting the product, I think, because these runs just, like you said, they can't be stopped. It's not about calling a timeout and stopping the momentum. It's like drawing up a single play that might work better than the previous one.
0: Yeah, and and that's a lot is made of coaches not calling the timeout. You know, I think Jason Kidd was kind of accused of that in was it game two when the Warriors came back. Um, but I I don't know if that that really matters that much uh, in the grand scheme of things. These coaches can't do much, man. There's not much, and and like you said, the, there's no Plan B for these teams. Uh, and although all these teams feature good isolation scores, when you talk about Tatum, Butler. Uh, Luca, at the same time their offenses overall still rely heavily on a drive and kick type game. So you collapse on those guys and you're still relying on outside shooters to get you back into the game. So yeah. it's, it's definitely hurting the product, man. I've never experienced a conference finals that felt so flat just because one team would start boat racing the other.
1: There, there's an element of preseason basketball in May. And I don't think that's what Adam Silver is looking for, right? This brings me to point number two. You're, this is a controversial off-the-wall point, but you know Ryan Russell always talks about this era has more basketball players that don't seem to want to put up with playing basketball than ever before, <laughs> and it's just almost like a hindrance to the regular life. It's like, fuck, i got to go out and play tonight. I kind of feel that to a degree in terms of it kind of ties to the being able to stopping of runs, and there needs to be some level of pride and some level of sort of just like I'm going to get this to go the other way, like especially from your star players. And look, I got to be candid with you. I'm re-watching The Last Dance for the third time right now. So everything oh I say God. tonight is going to have like a 90s colored glasses on. But there, there was a give a shit that like, okay, we're getting our ass kicked. We're going to turn this thing around. Like Charles Barkley talked about it down 3-1 in the 92 finals. He's like, we're not going to lose this game in, in Chicago. We're going back to Phoenix. And he willed them to victory. That game in today's era, that series is over. They're not going to win that game, right? And so... I even like the Mavericks in game three. It's a must win game. You're probably not coming back from 3 0 against the Warriors, right? There was a lackadaisical approach to their entire second half. Like they weren't really digging in to get stops, they were getting eviscerated on the boards. There was, I mean, boards are effort, right? Like, yes, you can be outsized, but the Warriors are a small team, right? Like the Mavericks getting dominated that much on the glass means it's an effort thing. And I just don't understand like you're in the conference finals with the championship on the line. Like why is there not a greater degree of um, just intensity? I feel like I'm missing that. Uh, I saw it last in the Bucks uh, Celtic series. I haven't
0: really seen it since. So I agree and disagree with you. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily game to game. They're not bringing the same energy. I think what is happening though, is that in the game when a team falls behind, I think mentally they kind of punt it and they're like, all right, move on to the next one. And so you're right. In like the second half of the game, once they're down twenty-five, I don't see them scrapping and really trying to get back into it. They're kind of just going through the motions, and I think the the logic is we'll just get on to the next one. I think this is especially evident in the Heat Celtics, where these teams are very evenly matched. And so you lose one, whatever, move on to the next one and win that, right? So I mean those teams play hard. I'm not saying they don't play hard, but I just think that especially offensively i i feel like these teams are still leaving a lot on the table once they go down 15 20 they're not really pushing like like you'd expect them to heat celtics is like based on how the
1: first five minutes goes the other team's already packed up and waiting for the next game (laughs) exactly (laughs) it is one of the most bizarre uh series that could even go seven games that i've ever seen now Celtics, of course, won the crucial game in Miami, so everybody and their mom, I'm sure, is expecting them to close it out in six at home. I'm not gonna like say that that's a guarantee, especially if Tyler Tyler here can come back. Certainly they're favored, but like that series is just trash. Like the basketball is just bad. And this isn't even about good defense. Oh, you know, you know, hey Nathan, you're the nineties guy. Why don't you love this? <laughs> this is like this they're not playing. Like, yeah, they're contesting their it's high intensity physical, but like it's bad shot making like it's just Jimmy Butler missed like four shots that didn't even look like he could see where the rim was it's like when you're golfing and the green is like up over the hill and you're kind of like I guess it's somewhere over there like that's what Jimmy Butler looks like on some of these jumpers I have no idea what happened to him midway through the series after his knee injury maybe it's you know he's favoring that but it's and, and even Dallas like they're they're experimenting in these games. Like this is freaking October and they're playing the long game. It's like, guys, you have to win four before they win four, right? We all understand how these series break out, right? Like what the rules are. Like it's, it's nuts.
0: Dude, did you see Luca's comments after game three? No, I mean that specifically, I don't think. Oh my God. I have to pull them up. Let me, let me find them. But pretty much he he was saying, you know, long story short, it sounded like an end of season press conference. He was like, yeah, I need to get better. There's certain things I need to do. um, You know, and then I'm going to continue to evolve as a player and blah, blah, blah. I was like, dude, the series is still going on. (laughs) Like, why are you, why are you giving your end of season press conference? And so it's like these guys, I don't know, man, it's,
1: I mean, meanwhile, the Warriors are up 3 0, trying all these rookies in in the game. Like, it's like an open mic night situation. Like, everybody can play, whatever. Like, you're all in, and then they're getting boat raced, and then suddenly, like, they come back at the end. It's too little, too late. And it's like, fine. You know, I get it. You don't want to burn Steph, Clay, Dre if you don't have to. You're up 3 0. But at the same time, like, it's a playoff game. I don't think you can take any of them for granted. One little thing happens in, you know, game five tomorrow, and suddenly you might be headed back to Dallas. So, I just think it's I, weird. Like I when I don't know when we're gonna start playing real basketball. It doesn't feel like that right now, though.
0: I think I think once we get to the finals, luckily we're gonna have a team more oriented around offense versus a team more oriented around defense. Right now we have like offense, offense, defense, defense. Um, I'd like to think Warriors Celtics Warriors Heat is gonna be more of a dogfight uh, than what we have right now, but. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know, man. The, Warriors the Celtics the Warriors, is certainly the
1: best matchup, right?
0: Oh yeah, and then the other thing for the Warriors is the incentive to close out a, a series quicker is not just so you don't you get more rest. They can't afford an injury. Like they've already dealt with with Clay and KD in the past. Year. Like, can you imagine, like Steph or Clay, you twist an ankle, you're playing extra minutes you don't need to. Um, yeah, I mean,
1: look, Steph missed the last five weeks before the regular season uh, ended, right? Like he had yeah. the, he had that foot injury, the ankle injury when Marcus Smart rolled up on him. So it's certainly top of mind for them, I would think.
0: Yeah. So um, they, they, yeah.
1: Okay. Re- reason number three, maybe this should really be number one. Cause everyone's talking about it is these, the schedule, um, makes for good TV every night. You, it's almost like it's 1984. We're all gathering around the TV to watch mash or cheers we got one NBA playoff game. That's all there is. And the NBA likes that, right? But the flip side is you're getting no time for rest days or travel days. Both All four teams are banged up. You essentially just have no time off. You have one day off, which which you're either traveling or it's a shoot around. And they say it's because of the play-in tournament. That's what Mark Cuban said. Uh, That doesn't really strike me as real because the play-in tournament adds like three extra days to the season. It's not like a month. But the schedule seems to be a top concern Um because the first round is spread out because there's eight series. Second round gets a little more condensed. Third round is very condensed. And then the finals is spread out again because of TV, optimal TV windows. And so are they over-engineering this? Is this part of the problem? Is this not a
0: problem? What do you think about that one? I think that's bullshit. Oh, I've, I've okay. seen stats that From start to this point, it's like other postseasons have had the same cadence for the most part. Not exact same cadence, but they play the same number of games starting from the beginning of the playoffs up till this point of the conference finals. That's a much ado about nothing. And like you said, even the play-in tournament, it delays the start by a few days. That might affect one game or two games that's, I guess, a little bit tighter together. I don't buy the rest excuse. I think the problem is a lot of these teams, a lot of these players aren't used to playing a full 82 game season anymore. And you get rest nights. You you take time off with injury. A lot of these teams have had players, whether it's the Warriors, whether it's the Heat, guys who have missed time during the regular season. So, of course, when you get back to an every other day grind, it's going to be harder on your body. You're just not used to it. So I don't buy this excuse of the schedule. and Like these guys, we've done this before. We've done every other day games.
1: This brings me back to point number two is that nobody actually wants to play basketball. (laughs) Like, if this could be a 2K simulation, I think everyone would agree to it. And, like, Jimmy and Jason Tatum could just watch the screen and see what happens. I think everyone would be down for this. Dude, these guys are walking
0: around, like, as if they, like, can bear. like... I don't know what it is, but all these guys are, like, wounded beyond no belief, right? Luca's grimacing his shoulder every single time. Do you see Tatum tonight with his, like, arm just limp for, like, all... Couple possessions like he couldn't. He well, was, it he was looked looking,
1: like he man. had a Kevin Love like injury and he disappeared for like 35 seconds and then he was back like nothing but, happened. Same thing yeah. with the Marcus Smart.
0: I thought they were going to pull him out of the game. I thought he dislocated something and then later, you know, he has his hands up. Everything's fine. So, and then Jimmy Butler went out with a knee injury, the mysterious injury. He missed the whole second half of what game three or, um, uh, and so I don't know, man. You're right. I don't know if these guys, these guys are. I understand they're banked up, but at the same time, it just feels like they don't want to be there.
1: I'm gonna give your boy LeBron uh, some props here, which you know I'm, we don't. I don't need to do since you do it enough. He played 266 games in the playoffs in his career. He's missed exactly zero games in his entire playoff career. You think about when you just watch this like carnage that exists on a night-to-night basis. Not only has he played 266 games, he's averaged 41.5 minutes per game across those 266. So you're talking over three seasons playing the most intense, a ton of minutes, essentially like 90% of the game. That's That just playoffs alone, um, you're looking at 11,000 minutes in his career. So I think I respect, especially Jordan, Kobe, LeBron, the guys like that would just will you into the next round, the next game, never come off the floor, never get tired. I just start to respect that so much more when I and see put, Le- and much... now
0: you put LeBron in that category. You understand LeBron belongs in that. He's category. in that
1: category. Yeah. He, I mean, dude, from a, from a durability sort of intensity standpoint, I think he's long been in there. He, he doesn't have a great mean mug. That's essentially the only reason why he's not considered by like random Twitter casuals to be in that category, but we know that he's in there. Right. But, it's just a different breed. I don't know what to tell you. Like, again, I'm going to sound like an old dude, but I just really feel like it's a different kind of player who, like you said, is like, whoa, you want me to play how many times this week? Like, no, that's, that's just sorry. I'm not. Call my, call my uh, uncle. That's, that's his responsibility. I'm not doing that.
0: Yeah. And so I, I don't know, man. I, like, on one hand, we have a lot of these young stars. You know, we've been talking about this playoffs as parodies returned, a lot of young talent. The LeBrons, Katie got eliminated early, Kawhi's, a lot of the old guard isn't there anymore. But I I also feel like Kawhi wouldn't take off possessions, LeBron wouldn't take off possessions. I miss some of those guys. Um, Not to say that these guys are taking off possessions, but they just seem to be lumbering and like as if this is such a, they played 10 postseasons in a row and this is catching up to them when in reality, all these guys are young except for Jimmy Butler and the Heat, really. Um,
1: Jim, Jimmy, Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry look like they're going to get wheeled off at the end of this <laughs> series. Whenever it ends, like either they win and go to the finals or they lose and go home. There might be a stretch run. Kyle Lowry looks like he's going to announce his retirement at halftime of Game Six. Like he looks. You and I cooked. talked about th- you and I talked about this last week because he hadn't come back yet, and we're like, okay, so what's that going to do for them? And it's been even worse than advertised. I thought at least he would give them like a minor punch. The arm, and he has been okay at times at table setting and getting the pace up, but they could just leave him wide open. Like, he can't do anything offensively, he's not the type of kind of physical pest he is on, normally is on defense. Train wreck city for Kyle Lowry,
0: and their alternatives are are not great either. So,
1: right, I was just gonna say, by the way, hero, there's no playmaking, they have no one on the bench. Um, he. and then the other thing we said, we were right about the Heat. For whatever we were wrong about or whatever during the playoffs, the other thing we said about the Heat is where do they generate offense if it's not for Tyler Hero? And guess what? He missed the last two games, and it's about as ugly as it gets <laughs> for an NBA basketball team.
0: It, I'm, I mean, and as good as Hero is, I think it's it's not even a ma- like, oh, he's the he's a good passer. He can shoot. It's not about him generating. It's just that when you take away 15 points away from a team like the Warriors, they can fill that 15 points or 20 points from anywhere, right? All kinds of players. When you take away from the heat, you're not getting an additional 15 from Duncan Robinson. Gabe Benson and Max Juice are pretty topped out in terms of their scoring potential. Lowry's useless. So it's like you just can't replicate any missing offensive production. And that's the issue they have.
1: No, and like... One of the things you and I have always liked about this Celtics team is that they're so good defensively. It creates sustainability in their way that they can win games. And we've seen that time and again, when they go down, they're a not down by much, right? Because they won't get run out of the gym too often, at least playing that brand of basketball, you know, game one, notwithstanding. But by the way, everyone seems to forget Marcus Smart and Al Horford didn't play game one. And Al Horford has yeah. been freaking incredible this series. So he's minorly important, but anyway, aside from the like very, very small stretches defensively, they don't hold up. They don't break. So it's really about if their offense can stay consistent, but they have such a good shot at always being in every game and eventually kind of blowing teams out because their offensive spurts are matched by defensive excellence, start to finish. And it really creates a tough environment for any team, especially one as inconsistent as, as Miami is to actually build and sustain leads over them. Um, if you think about, like, the perfect team to have played them, it would have probably been the Bucks with Middleton, right? Which is why the Bucs, I'm sure, just killing themselves over this injury because they look at Miami and they're like, we would have rolled this team, right? Oh, like, yeah. they would have destroyed them, right? So, and, and they look at the Warriors who aren't necessarily amazing. They're not, you know, they're not blowing anyone's socks off and they're like, shit, this was a title chance. And that's what Boston's thinking. Like, this is our title chance. It's wide open for us. We have the best defense in any given game, we have the best player in Jason Tatum. So why can't we go win the title? And so now they're on the brink of it. Like, where do you think they're at in terms of how you feel about this team? Not just kind of closing out this series potentially, but also next round.
0: I like them to close out the series. Um, They needed it tonight for sure. uh, And they won tonight. I, I don't know though, man. I just, the Jason Tatum, and right now I think he might be a little bit injured or dealing with something just need a little bit more consistency from him, I think, to beat the Warriors. Um yeah. I don't think they can suffer these just and he's gonna have to be that guy when they go through these offensive stretches. And as much as their defense is gonna be great against the Warriors, the Mavs are a great defensive team. The Warriors are a different beast. So I don't think it's gonna be as simple as Celtics come in, lock down the Warriors, low scoring games. I think the Warriors are gonna get theirs in a lot of these games and, and the Celtics are going to have to keep up. Um so I am not – as before the Bolt series started, I'd be very confident the Celtics could could get there and win. I think it's a toss-up. I'd still say it's like a coin flip between the Warriors and Celtics. How about you?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think I like the Celtics because the big thing that Steph Curry always has trouble with is size and physicality. We saw it with Memphis, but Memphis is a little bit undisciplined, right, defensively. And then they were missing Ja, which is obviously going to be tough to overcome. I just think Marcus Smart, Derek White – Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum on switches, like, they're just going to really disrupt, I think, what Steph likes to do and, and, and make him uncomfortable. Um, you know, so I think I lean Boston. First of all, neither, <laughs> neither conference final series is over, so let's, like, hold the horses before we kind of do the finals preview. But I just... I look at Boston and I feel like whenever they need a shot, somehow it goes in and whenever they need a stop, they always get one. And it's infuriating to watch as someone who's actively hoping that they don't win for a variety of reasons, but you got to tip your cap to a team. thats They're just, they're very, very long. Um, they're, all their bigs are good at switching, right? So you can't really toast them on the pick and roll. Granted, Miami does not have anyone with the foot speed to even give them trouble like a Jordan pool, for example, or even a Steph Curry. I just trust that that team to play forty eight minutes of good basketball, good defensive basketball, which I think gives them the highest floor. Um, And then you, like you said, like with Tatum, he had a terrible first half. He was, I think, one of nine. Came alive in the second half. There's too many too many of those kinds of games. Like if you're a top ten player and you're one of nine, that's okay. Get to the line eight times, right? Figure out another way to control. And to his credit. He was playmaking. I think he had six, seven assists at half. He was rebounding. He almost had a triple-double. But I'd like to see a little bit more of offensive diversity from him versus, like, I'm just going to take a bunch of bad jumpers. And, you know, if they go in great. If not, like, I'll go one of nine. And it's okay. And that's been a theme of his career. He's gotten a little bit better at that, of course. Something he still needs to evolve at, especially if he's going to win a title at the highest level.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the other thing with Boston is they – I, I still feel like they've played, they've beaten Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and Miami. And all those teams kind of limited in terms of their scoring threats. Like Brooklyn, it was really Kyrie, KD show. Two amazing players, right? But it's all boiled down to them too. You go into Milwaukee, it's the Giannis show. And then you're playing the Heat, and it's really just Jimmy Butler. And, and I feel like the Warriors just, from a the number of scoring options, the movement, it's just a whole other beast from what they've, faced so far and it's harder to clamp down on a team like that so but, especially but if you get future hall of famer andrew wiggins you know uh, in the yeah lineup, especially so. if wiggins um plays the way he he can play uh and so i don't know but but at the same time like you said I, or i think we talked about this like defensively they're not going to offer as much resistance as milwaukee or as um uh, Miami, Miami, right? And so you would think that hopefully Boston doesn't get into these ruts as often because they're going to yep. just have a lot more open looks.
1: So let's let's turn to Miami for a second. Um, I'm going to just quickly, because I have to do this, read you the three-point shooting from each player on the team tonight. <laughs> um, Jimmy Butler, one of five. Where am I? Oh, those. Yeah, Jimmy Butler one of five, PJ Tucker one of five, Bam did not shoot one, Kyle Lowry oh of five, Max Struess oh of seven, Kobe, Cody Martin one of three, Gabe Vincent one of seven, Victor Oladipo oh of three, Duncan Robinson the sharpshooter of the bunch three of ten. Do they have any shot to win this series? Like, is there any world in which they can win two straight games?
0: I think they do. I honestly think they still do. I, I I still pick Boston, but we've seen that home court in this series has not mattered as much as maybe you think it would. Um, and this game was close. This game was close in the third quarter. Uh, it wasn't a end to end blowout. I I like Boston to win at home, but I've also seen them fall flat on their face. So I'm not. I'm going to give credit to this Miami team. It's Coach Spo. They can turn it on on defense, and they can steal one more. Now, Game 7, I would still pick Boston, but I don't think it's unfathomable to think that they win Game 6. If Miami's
1: home crowd wasn't so damn flat all the time, you would think Game 7 at home would matter more for them, but I agree. like, I just don't know that it really makes a big difference.
0: It at least matters from the sense that you're not in Boston. You're not getting an additional boost, but you're at least yeah, not in Boston. Yeah,
1: because yeah, the Boston crowd's great, so that that's worth something that it's not going to be there. I'm actually going to be in Boston for a wedding, and I looked at the calendar... There's an event, so I, I'm going to be there, I think they're going to probably have a home game on Thursday and maybe Sunday. And I'm going to be there on Sunday, but that's one of the events. So I, sh- I have to skip the event, right? Wait, you're talking about the finals? Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm going to be in Boston in three in June, uh, second week of June. So you're looking at, I think, I looked this up, but I can't remember. I think it was game three or game four, because they're not going to have home court against either Golden State or or dallas and so in yep. either instance they, they would play game three game four in boston i think i'm gonna barely miss miss one or i might be there for one i think i should skip one of the wedding wedding events right
0: i mean who who's a friend who are they a listener to the pod first of all you might want to not, not a
1: listener to the pod i am in the wedding um oh dude then how are you gonna miss an event what are you talking about I mean, you know, there's several people prominently involved. I'm sure they wouldn't see me. I could, I could get the press pass. Sales for work, you know, the whole thing. <laughs> speaking that of uh, w- speaking of weddings and mar- and marriages and relationships, I should mention that the 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 nature of these games has been very healthy uh, for my relationship. I usually can watch about a quarter of each game and pretty much understand what's going on, and then we switch to to Bridgerton. So. In general, it's been working for me from that standpoint so i, I have to give the n b a and all the players credit uh for for keeping things uh not too tense in our household, which usually it is in the april may June time frame,
0: yeah man, and now you got the you got Winston's uh, Instagram account to manage like you don't have time to watch full two and a half <laughs> hours of basketball every night.
1: The worst thing is I've been posting more from it than noob says. <laughs> It's just really a a personal low that I, not only that I created it, that I actively enjoy being on it. Um, I don't know how to get out of this rut that I'm in, but this is dog life, you know?
0: Hey, it's all good, man. You do you. I'm sure I'd do the same if I had a dog. Um, Would you get one? I'd be open to it, but I I never grew up with a dog or anything, so I don't have like an inclination to, but...
1: People are saying it's harder than raising a kid, and some some people. No, are man,
0: you I said would. that. This is this is I like the, the per- controversial I statement per- you
1: dropped. I wouldn't personally say that, but some people I have heard that argument be
0: made. You gave you gave like a whole five point thesis on why dogs are harder to raise than kids, without even having a kid.
1: That whole week, and then the episode we recorded was like an out of body experience for me. It wasn't even <laughs> me. You didn't like even count.
0: Barely functioning.
1: Um where were we uh, home court advantage no I, so so miami i guess like look if it, i i don't think there's any world they can win if hero doesn't come back so we're kind of assuming that hero is going to be back for game 6 and then of course game 7 if if it happens mm-hmm. they need i don't know what they can get because like they need like a 35 pointer from hero but the celtics offense is defense is kind of designed to stop that exact performance right aside from a Katie or Giannis who's just going to overpower you with skill or physicality like Tyler Hero is not going to get loose that often it doesn't feel like and so or no, Jimmy has
0: to turn back the clock to game 2 or something It's going to have to be Jimmy. Stupid. It's going to have to be Jimmy doing 35, Hero maybe a 20, Bam 20. That's your path to success. Bam is got <laughs> Robert
1: Williams in his nightmares every night. Dude he's scared to go up he, on Robert he, Williams. Can I ask you a question? Bam has been given a lot of love as, like, basically the third best big or the the best big of the non-Jokic and tier. Is there a big difference between him and, like, DeAndre Aiden, who's being thrown around in these trade rumors like he's a nobody?
0: Yes. Yeah, come on. Because Bam's a more versatile defensive piece. Bam is switchable all across the court. Aiden's good at defense, but not in the same way. Aiden's, I mean, look, Aiden's not BAM level switching, but he he's yeah, a hold good his own defender. He can hold his own, but BAM can be thrown in relentless pick and rolls and switch with ease. And then his offensive game, as limited as it's been looking in the series, he, I feel like he can still play further out than Aiden, or he's more athletic and kind of limber to make moves. But he from still can't shoot threes.
1: Team. and He still can't, he can't shoot threes. And when it takes mid-range jumpers, it looks like, He's like cranking up the, the 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 catapult like he's Kyle Anderson like that's how scared he is on some of these plays like I'm just like watching it you can almost like look at your phone look back and
0: Bam is still deciding if he wants to shoot or not so, so that's exactly it I don't think he's decisive enough but that's something like but in terms of the talent and the tool set offensively he's got a lot more than Aiden his problem is he's not decisive enough and he doesn't make decisions fast enough and so he My ends up hot passing take
1: it is. My hot take is if Aiden was not the third option on his offense, he would be seen as a better player than Bam. And I bet you Phoenix is going to make a mistake if they get if they move on from him.
0: I mean they're going to we already know they're going to move on. It's it's I don't think the argument is Aiden is not a good player. I think the argument is that they don't want to pay him. He's not worth paying you're paying Paul Booker Bridges and now Aiden like
1: should Paul really be that much of a factor in your plans as he's 37 and has fallen apart in the last two playoffs. I just, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying he's,
0: no, I'm talking, I'm talking about, it. I'm talking about the like what you're paying for all these guys. I'm not talking about what you're I mean, building for in the term future.
1: Well, as Paul declines, you kind of need a core that involves, I think your 23 year old former number one pick. So I think if they make a move and let's say they send him to Indiana for like, uh, Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, which is a trade I've seen. I'm hopeful yep. that that's like a fake rumor from the Indiana boards. But let's say they just make that move. <laughs> okay. You pair Halliburton with Aiden, I bet you those two are pretty dangerous next year. Like, they're not going to make the playoffs dangerous, but, like, I bet
0: you they put up some pretty good offensive numbers. I'm just saying. Oh, I, anyway. yeah, I don't think Aiden is just... So, look, Aiden, his issue is not that he got played off the... I mean, a little bit, maybe, but he. it's not like a Rudy Gobert situation. Was, I
1: mean, dude, Luca was putting... Mikhail Bridges, you know, the number two runner up for DPOI on his hip and taking him to the basket. He was cooking everyone.
0: No, that's what I'm saying. So I don't think the argument, like the argument with Gobert, for example, it started to become can you win with him? Can you construct the team around him? That's not what the case is with Aiden. I think this Phoenix team knows they can be successful with Aiden. But given that they feel like he's kind of topped out with what he offers them in that system and it's not worth the money he wants to command, it's a money thing. And yeah. I think they also have some issues with with maybe his his work ethic and attitude. I don't think he's worth the max, right? So I agree. I think Aiden on the right team, on a different team, can be a much more unlocked player uh, in terms of what he can offer offensively and defensively. Yeah. But but yeah, here, I mean, let me ask you this. Yeah. What pick, and I think Simmons talked about this too, is like what pick in the draft do you think is worth trading for Aiden? So you go
1: highest like if you're the four? If you're the Kings,
0: they pick four, and then you have to you have to pay them, right? So it's it's not it's four is a cost controlled asset. So think about it in terms of that as well. well you're immediately it paying eight the team
1: itself, right? Like Detroit. If I'm Detroit, I'm trading five. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely telling you, five is worth it.
0: Would Phoenix do that?
1: No. They 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 can't with. The level of they, they just won 64 games yeah. and they probably had a fluke home loss in game seven in a series they absolutely should have won. So yeah. they can't do that. Now you could construct a trade with Jeremy Grant, maybe with Isaiah Stewart, number five pick for DeAndre Ayton, and I don't know, something. Then that's a version of Phoenix that can still compete at the same level. And in fact, that's probably a better team, really, with Grant as well as, like, you know, number five, who you're going to get. You're going to get a Jaden Ivey maybe to kind of learn from Chris Paul, or you're going to get a Shaden Sharp to provide one more wing. That would be an interesting trade, but I don't think they'll give up all of that for Aiden. We'll see. I mean, because it's hard to assess his trade value. He's just played a smaller role, and now he's getting dunked on left and right. Like, <laughs> if you assess Aiden's trade value a year ago during their finals run when oh. everyone from... You know, Simmons was putting him as a top 20 player in the league. That's a different conversation. So some, the answer is probably somewhere in between, right? It's just we are always prisoners in the moment. Dude, in
0: right when they were up 2-0 against the Bucks, his value was through the roof in terms of how he's being talked about. So I agree. These things change fast. I don't think Aiden's as bad as he's looked or kind of being portrayed in, from the Sun side of things. But, Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because if Aiden's not that guy, then who is, dude? How many bigs are going to, like, what do you expect? Every big to be freaking Embiid or Giannis? There's only, like, three guys like that. We're, we're even talking about Bam, the third best guy, talking about his flaws. So I, I feel like the, the – everyone always talks about these bigs being played off the court, but how many bigs don't get played off at this rate? Like, three. Which brings me to my next point.
1: Are centers the new running backs? Oh, We're at a point where, first of all, you should never draft a center over a wing of equal caliber, yet every year we seem to forget that rule and go bigs early. Last year was very, very interesting because Cade was taken over Mobley, right? Right. This year, there's not really a guard like Ivy's not at the class of a Jabari, Paolo, or Chet. But those th- those three are all you know. Some of them, two of them, are stretch fours, but they're all bigs in that regard. You have to wonder the likelihood of you landing an Embiid or Jokic is obviously infinitesimally small. No, even a guy like Cat, who's offensively their peer, defensively is kind of hard to build a team around. So you really need mm. a unicorn big to pay. Uh, max money to, and expect, you know, big things from. So why not just cycle them out? 10 to $15 million bigs every few years. You're going to get enough. Um, I mean, shit, dude, the freaking Dallas Mavericks are in the Western Conference Finals with Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleba. Like, they are going to address that position a little bit, but they don't need to go get a Gobert to compete. They just need someone a little bit better than Powell. Like, that's all it takes, maybe.
0: Yeah, most of these teams in their crunch time lineups would rather not even play the center anyway. It just becomes like someone who can give you some minutes at that position, but in reality, that's not... I mean,
1: Kevon not... Looney makes like, what, $6 million a year?
0: Yeah. Well, Looney, I mean, yeah, you're right. You're right.
1: I'm not saying that you can't, like, you know, Celtics have great bigs, but again, their bigs, aside from, you know, Robert Williams is making 12 and a half. Horford's on a big contract, but that's going to come down. Um so I I just don't know. Like I look at this series and like you said, it's like all about defensive versatility more than anything. And do you draft high in the draft just for that? Or do you trade assets for that? I mean, that's gonna be the question about Aiton. Can he but be see, a twenty-three points per game guy? Most of the bigs getting
0: from? drafted are not being drafted with, with them in as a five in mind. It's always as a four. Like Javari right. Smith, even chet, they're talking about him more as like a four right? Um, That's true. That's true. So, while all these bigs are being valued, the point the forward is being valued.
1: Which I think is the right way to approach it.
0: Yeah. Because then you have have a mix of everything. They have size, they've got playmaking, they've got shooting. The traditional center archetype, I agree, is kind of going out the door.
1: Well, it's Um, a good point, because last year, if you look at the top of the draft, like, really, where was the first true center drafted? Was it Alperin Sangoon at 16. And he was but even, even him, right? He's center, seen as yeah, more
0: he's... of like a forward.
1: Yeah, I don't even know what the actual first, like, center was.
0: And this year it's um, who? Jalen
1: Duran? Duran? How do you pronounce his name? Yeah, Duran. Duran's going to suck, I'm telling you.
0: And he's like a traditional center, I
1: feel like, right?
0: He's 6'11", yeah. just plays near the rim.
1: Exactly. I guess you could say, man, I'm just looking through the draft last year. You could argue that, I mean, maybe, I guess, Dayron Sharp from UNC, but he's a power forward. So I don't know. Um, nonetheless, we're way off tangent. So back to the Heat. They might have a shot. Celtics are definitely going to put the clamps on. Um, any thoughts on Jalen Brown being the worst basketball player, dribbler for a good player of all time? Like
0: His shooting was to watch. on fire today, but I – Dude, what? I think some of it's mental because I, I know he's not known for the tightest handle, but this is like ridiculous how he can't even hold hold onto the ball and he's just losing it. And I know the Heat are also very pesky defensively, but I think some of it's mental, man. This guy, like every time I see him with the ball in his hands, I'm like, this is not going to end well.
1: Anything can happen. Like Oladipo will just stick like his index finger in and then. Boom, the ball pops It, it out. reminds me of
0: Buddy Healed a little bit. Buddy Healed towards the end of his tenure with the Kings got like anytime we put the ball on the floor, bad things would happen. And you were hoping he'd just be in a catch and shoot role, which in the second half, Brown was that's all he was doing and he was killing it. So Alright,
1: what's your final series prediction there?
0: South since six. Okay.
1: Yeah. Pick close. I think that's most likely. I'm not gonna pick against it for just to be just to be cool. Yep. Yeah. And fetch. Um <laughs> All right. Let's go to the let's go to the West. We've already touched on this series a bunch, but just kind of nah. to target it. So really, really bombed that the Mavericks blew Game 2. We recorded right before Game 2. I was so excited for it. They came out guns blazing, ended up losing a 19-point lead. Steph shimmied his way onwards to a 3-0 lead. Dallas did get one back yesterday, but um it feels like they're just early, um, but not even early, It's because it's not like this is a super young team. It's actually a kind of veteran team. Um, just feels like Dallas does not have the horses, and you look long-term, and you kind of wonder about how they're going to get those players. And to me, at least, I'm getting a lot of LeBron early Cav shades, and I don't Absolutely. like to see that. Um, so anyway, that's where I'll start. We should obviously talk a lot about the warriors and the greatness that they've, you know, maintained for 10, 10, almost 10 years now, but let's start with Dallas.
0: There's a danger in thinking this roster sucks and they already got to the Western conference finals. We're Gucci. They'll be fine. They'll get the right pieces because you're right. I think of LeBron 07 finals run trash roster, they just don't have the horsepower to keep up, end up losing. But then they struggle to put the right pieces around, right? And one and the Cavs, I agree, did not do much a great job, right? That's the common sentiment. But it was really hard to plug in those holes. And they tried a lot of different approaches. At one point, they went to trying to get Shaq and have a traditional big with LeBron. They tried um, Antoine Jameson, right? They tried... Ben Wallace, they tried different types of players as well. Uh, obviously, nice. Antoine Jameson, the scoring forward, Shaq, the, the huge center, Ben Wallace, defensive. Nothing really worked. And, and I'm afraid, I don't know what the path is for the Mavs. Like, what is the solution for this team? I don't think the solution is, like you said, getting a traditional center like Gobert. But at the same time, they need a little bit of rim protection. And Maxi Kleba was that for them this year. Is he the guy moving forward? I don't know. Um, who are you going to be your other secondary ball handlers? Jalen Brunson's great. Are you going to pay him? Because if you pay him, uh, that kind of straps you out in other areas. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. is still on that team. Like He's been out all this season. Is he a piece moving forward? So I don't know. They want a lot of decisions to make. I don't think it's as easy as, oh, we made the Western Conference Finals. It can only go uphill from here.
1: Well, it certainly helps to have a twenty-two-year-old, three-time first-team All-NBA guard running the show. Six-eight, uh, like super-sized guard uh, at that, makes everything easier from there. But yeah, I, I, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. It's interesting you mentioned him. I always see him on the sideline because he's like one of the most vocal bench guys, and you're like, they could actually really use Tim Hardaway Jr. Oh, in this for of sure. Deals. Yeah, like with all these clanked threes, with all these like difficulties trying to get shot creation with anybody not named Luca he can actually do a little bit off the dribble and he can certainly make shots. So I think that player would have very much helped. Um, and it's a bummer that he's not involved. But but yeah, man, I mean, like I said, this is not a young core. Besides Luka at 22, everyone that they play is between 25 and 30. Um, Jalen Brunson is a free agent coming up. And so he's going to have a big decision. I think he's still in line for a pretty big contract, you know, north of 20 million a year annually, just because he's shown to be a really effective player Uh, In a lot of situations, he's going to struggle in this kind of series with the Warriors length and they're guarding him with Draymond um, for a variety of reasons, allows Draymond to play a little bit more center field and Jalen does a lot of his damage in the paint, you know, with footwork, with spin moves, fadeaways and Draymond, that's like where he lives. So um, this is maybe not a great series for him, but like, yeah, I just you know luca has to be so special and he has been for the most part numbers wise i don't know that i love everything i've seen from him like you look at his numbers and he's 33 9 and 6 you know, shooting 43% from the field 38% from three but a lot of that in games 2 and in games 3 were like catch up points um didn't feel like it was you know controlling flow in fact the one game that they won he didn't he wasn't even that great just feels like, you know, we, we were texting about this. When the Warriors are down, the game feels like it's seven quarters long. And when the Warriors are up, it's, like, over by halftime. And that's just the way it's been for this team. Like, that's just the way they get on runs with Steph and Clay and now Jordan Poole all draining shots, Wiggins playing out of his mind. It's a lot to overcome for for a team that just – not only do they not have top-end talent, they don't have much depth either.
0: And, yeah, and, and Stan Van Gundy, I thought, called it out immediately – on the telecast, where when Luca was out, the Mavs played a much more aggressive, uh, fast-paced style of basketball that really put the Warriors on the, their heels, and it was much harder for them to defend. And Luca, as great as he is, kind of slows everything down, and it makes it a little easier to contain the shooters, and he's going to hit you a step-back three every now and then, make a crazy pass to the corner, but it just seemed much more manageable. Um now, obviously, that's not saying they're better off without Luca, but it did raise some like doubts around a lot of the role players played better when Luca was off the court and they could play a faster pace. Um, so I, this team, you know, I don't think they're going to beat the Warriors with this iteration. Uh, and even yesterday in that game, it just felt like every shot was going in, like literally everything possible. And somehow it got down to 10. And I know that's what you expect that in every NBA game these days, these leads, wax and wane. But it just feels like that shooting can just disappear at any moment. Um, and it doesn't feel like that for the Warriors, right? So I just, man, yeah, if they just just stolen game two, it would have changed everything. It's the same thing with Memphis. Like if they just stolen one of those games that they, they lost at the very end, the series yeah. would have been definitely different.
1: Well, and the other thing is, like, it's been a fairly easy playoffs for the Warriors. Like, they scrapped the Nuggets, right? They didn't really ever have a doubt of losing that series. The Warriors and had an intense first two games yeah. with Memphis, but then ja gets hurt. And really, the only other game they lose, they lost by, like, 100 points. So, they, their yep. guys were pulled anyway. So, it wasn't, like, a strenuous series. And now they're up 3-0 here. So, you look at the bat route versus the Mavericks route, which is fairly hard-fought series versus a desperate Utah team. Seven games, you know, versus the juggernaut Suns, and now they come in here and like the number of minutes that Luca and DFS and Bullock are playing are really catching up to them. It feels like because they are kind of losing steam, mm-hmm. whereas the Warriors are running freely like they're running through the damn park and just enjoying life. You know what I mean? And Steph, <laughs> this is why I hate them. They look so happy. I could never have that type of contentment. You know, personally, I just couldn't get there to that plane. And I think that's what annoys me most about this team. <laughs> but.
0: Wow, man, don't sell yourself short on the happiness you can attain. Jeez. Maybe we should unpack that later on the <laughs> After,
1: After Dark pod. But, you know, I think stepping back on the Warriors for a second, like as much as we joke on them and, you know, kind of clown Draymond and staff for all their antics and whatever else, like to, to, to kind of have the run that they've had from 2014 with so many different versions around a similar nucleus is – kind of amazing it's actually very jordan bulls like um if you look at the jordan bulls the first three-peat roster is entirely different from the second three-peat roster right there's two there's two people that are there on both versions it's three really it's phil jordan and scotty and obviously the warriors are a little different because they naturally they casually dropped kevin Durant into the middle of it but even without him even with the couple years struggling Getting a number two pick who doesn't even play for them. Um, You know, the Wiggins trade, which was based on a freaking sign and trade for cap purposes from Durant, originally on Russell, like every move they've made to get back to this position is kind of amazing that they're still able to waltz into the finals potentially. And we could say, yeah, the West was down and all this stuff, but you know, that's the way the game breaks, right? They weren't down. And the fact is they were capitalizing on that. And even a, you know, sort of quote-unquote down year from Steph, they're still able to potentially make the finals. I mean, it's an amazing run for an organization as much as I hate is as well-run as any in sports right now.
0: Yeah, hats off to that, man. I, I think my opinion of the Warriors has drastically changed because they're not getting the same contributions from Clay. They're not, um, you know, this. this team has doesn't have the lockdown defenders it used to when you had Iguadala you had clay at his peak um you know you had a lot come other bit pieces who could play some Livingston John Livingston even, like even um, boget was a big defensive presence for them when they were winning yeah. um KD obviously and and I think the most impressive thing I think Steph, first of all uh early this year they didn't have clay and this was a team that it was Wiggins and Poole was still an unknown and they were at the top of the league, right? They got off to a blistering start, and even when Steph kind of fell off, Jordan Poole has had an amazing season. Um, Kuminga and Moody are playing good minutes, and I think a lot of the credit has to go to Kerr. And I've always been—I know Kerr's a good coach, but you know, it's—it's it's one of those things where it's like, how much is he actually developing these guys? They're so talented. Clearly, there's a lot of developing development happening in Golden State. Clearly, these guys all play a system, and watching the rest of the playoffs when these other teams just struggle to score and watching different guys on Golden State step up in any given moment, any given night, and fulfill that scoring void. Um, Because Steph, as we know, as great as Steph is, he's not the most consistent from quarter to quarter. I'm not even talking game to game, from quarter to quarter, right? Right. He'll be four points on two for nine and then have an explosion in the third quarter. So anyways, this all to say, I think, yes, they have gotten lucky this playoffs in terms of who they've played, but at the same time, they absolutely deserve everything that they did to get here. Um, And and look, and let's be honest, it helps when you you have that two-year gap, you're really bad one of those years, you get that asset, that pick, um, that does make a big difference in how you kind of manage your team. But
1: but that's the thing, right? Like... That asset's not playing. He's not even part of the equation. Like James Wiseman is nowhere to be seen. And you, you, you want to talk about Kaminga. Comingo well, you... was not even a pick that they drafted, right? That was the pick from Minnesota to take on the D'Angelo Russell for Andrew Wiggins swap.
0: Fair, fair. Which is more so...
1: shrewd movement. So really the only pick that they got that's contributing, so quote unquote, is is really Moses Moody. And he barely plays and is. Essentially, not important to the current. Well, lineup.
0: they were able to pump up GMs. Oh, they were able to trade KD to get Russell. They're able to pump up Russell's value a little bit, and Minnesota just loved him to get Wiggins. But you're you're right. You're absolutely right because what they did with Wiggins everyone, at that time was not seen as a Wiggins trade, asset. by the way. Yeah, everyone it wasn't a positive him. asset. um Yeah. And look, I'm not as high on Wiggins as everyone else is. I still think this guy is way too inconsistent and.
1: He's Every, he's he scores 25 player, points in a
0: game. We have to applaud him. Like, Look, if I'm the fourth option on the Warriors, I can score 25 points. At the same time, everything they've done, you're right, shrewd moves, shrewd drafting. I'm kicking myself to the Kings didn't draft Moses Moody because I know he hasn't shown that much. But the fact the Warriors even trust him to play in some of these playoff games, um, I think he's yeah, got a lot I mean, of potential, like- right? so.
1: I really, really wanted Moody. He, of course, went one pick before the Wizards, and we took 38-year-old Corey Kispert uh, instead. Um, So that was cool. But, yeah, I mean, look, they have the luxury to, to draft and stash within their own team. It's not like you have to go send the guy to Europe. Like, you can do it on your own, or the G League. You can do it on your own roster because that's how much weight the top guys carry. And the most amazing thing to me is you kind of already highlighted, they lost a lot of wing defenders. Clay is definitely not that same version. Steph is not even the same version he was before. They're all like worse, yet the team is somehow not dropped off. And I don't quite track how that's happened. I mean, some of it is like you said, it's just been a weaker conference than where they, they played. And like if they played this version versus the Harden Rockets or the LeBron Cavs, they'll they probably smoked. lose, right? Yeah. Um, and and maybe that team doesn't exist in the in the West. Um, maybe it doesn't exist in the league because I don't see the Celtics or Heat at that level either way, right? So, um, not saying the Warriors are going to win the title. I just mean like they don't have. There's not like a, it would almost be if the Bucks had made it with a healthy Middleton that would qualify. That team is not there. Um, so I, I'm really curious, just because like you go legacy talk, which of course is always fun. Four titles for Steph. A finals MVP, which we both think, if they win the title, it's near one hundred percent chance. Like something catastrophic would have to happen, or Jordan Poole would have to score eighty five in a playoff game for for anybody else to get it. What does that do to his legacy? Like to me, he he is now in the top ten conversation potentially. Like he's encroaching on that. If not,
0: he gets into ten for sure. Um, I think right at a ten. I might even I mean. People don't like to hear this. He starts flirting with Kobe spot, in my opinion. Whoa. Um, and here's, here's my argument, right? I think people always look at Kobe's five titles. Uh, they forget that the first two, and the third one you can kind of argue is more Kobe. The first two were on the backs of Shaq primarily. And now, Steph, you can say the same thing with KD maybe, right? You can make that argument.
1: I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, because if you look at the on off numbers, you look at everything and Katie Steph was already a two time MVP at this yeah. point. So it wasn't like yeah. he was some like young upstart.
0: So you look at that, you look at the shooting numbers, um, obviously what he's how he's transcended what any player has done, right? So just from the efficiency and the three point shooting, and is he as good as a or as a killer or a guy you'd want on the game online as Kobe? No. But I think by the end of his career, he could be just as or more accomplished. Because I also don't see them slowing down. If they win the title this year, who's, they're still going to contend next year. Steph's still going to, he's still, he's getting older, but he's still putting up, you know, the shooting's swung off a bit. But he's still capable of these scoring outbursts. I think he's 100% in the top 10. Where you put him, who you kick him out, who gets kicked out, I don't know. But I think if he wins the title and finals MVP, for sure.
1: So the key point, and we can debate where he is versus the historical grades, but the key point is he would have passed Durant.
0: And I think that's right.
1: Yeah, I think it's right too. I mean, I don't know. Some people might have him ahead of Durant right now. I would say the prevailing notion is Durant's higher, but I mean, you can't I argue s- Steph. You can't argue Durant over Steph, in my opinion. If they win again without him, when Durant's only two titles came in that ecosystem.
0: So their careers are not done, and so they're so close that I think it's going to matter what happens from here on out. I think the hard thing with Steph is that he's not... On paper, I would not take him over any of those guys in terms of building a team or anything. But at the same time, you can't... What he's done is so remarkable still, and I think this year solidified it for me. I wouldn't have had him sniffing the top 10 until I saw what they did this year. And this Warriors team that's a lot more limited still kind of he's the main engine powering them to another finals possibly yeah i think at this point it's hard for me to deny and i don't like stuff i don't like the warriors
1: yeah i look celtics warriors would get cause me all kind of anguish but from a playoff that's been a disaster for the most part i think it's easily the best basketball we would get and i think it would be fascinating to watch the chess match um and there's a lot on the line, right? Like Tatum's evolution as a kind of bonified superstar in this next era. Um, Steph' legacy, like we just mentioned. Draymond, Clay, they Their four-time champions. You know, Al Horford. Does he make you know his Hall of Fame case with with five-time All-Star, now champion, kind of the core of that defense? So I always enjoy when the b- biggest stage, the biggest stakes, has the most on the line. Which any finals is going to have that. But, like, last year when it's Chris Paul, who was denied forever and ever, and Giannis, who is, like, about to get the label of, like, the next bus, Like, I think it just means more than, than other finals where, like, the the Miami Heat are in the bubble. And it's like, okay, if they win, like, yeah, Jimmy. But, like, it's not that – you know, it's, it doesn't mean as much to me. And maybe I'm underrating Jimmy Butler. But I think I like when the the, the, the stakes involve player legacies because that's what, what's half the fun of basketball, honestly.
0: I agree. I agree, and it'll also I mean the counterpoint is it's also fun to talk about. You know what, Steph can't be even considered in the top ten because guess what, he lost another finals. Um, no finals MVP. He's as well as the Warriors have done. He's still behind Durant for X, Y, Z reasons. So, regardless of what happens, that the legacy conversation gets interesting,
1: right? So, and for what it's worth, I would pick the Celtics over the Warriors if that was the matchup. Yeah, we'll see. Here, here's the crazy other prediction I'm going to make. Dallas is taking this to seven.
0: <laughs> Warriors I mean, I, it's, seven, not it's not crazy. It's not crazy at all. But I, 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 they're losing in five. That'll be sad. I will be sad.
1: I, I've become too big of a Luka fan because he does whine and bitch like constantly. So it's a little bit like annoying to watch him because he's just kind of always like arms up like you know doing the whole like euro soccer situation going on and i wish he would stop that but everything else about his game is is it's a more fun version. Would you agree it's more fun version of the heliocentric offense than what Harden was doing?
0: Oh, 100% it's more fun. Be- because he doesn't have the driving to try to get the foul, the extension to try to draw the fouls Harden and the step backs, the, the stepbacks are just.
1: He'll shoot a couple, but it's not like his main focus.
0: I mean, it's not like Harden was jumping like crazy high, but I, Lucas, he barely gets off the ground with these step backs. And it's really funny to watch. And it's like, there's no power coming from it, but it's, he's still able to shoot from way beyond the.
1: It also he doesn't have like the double hop, like obvious travel thing that Harden will oh, do yeah. to get to his death facts and then like sort of flail his legs to get the three point foul shot too. Everything about the Harden Houston experience and everything about James Harden basketball viewing experience is, is miserable.
0: But they really are the same player. That's the funny I mean not the not the same player, but it's just yeah. funny how the perceptions around them are so different because Luca when he's on the floor, that's and this series actually hasn't been as much, but I've been watching Dawes games where it's literally, it's just driving kick, driving kick, three step back, three step back, three.
1: But this was the perception of Harden too earlier in those Houston days. People were amazed. People were legitimately like, "How could this one player put up?" These kinds of numbers for this good of an offense, like by well, yeah,
0: I mean, he was shattering. I mean, people forget Harden was doing like what Luca's doing right now is nothing compared to what Harden was doing, like nothing. But
1: but what I mean is, well, playoffs wise, Luca's kind of got the second highest average. That's
0: the big difference, but regular season, like
1: what right, he was doing. And, and so that's what I mean though, right? Like I think early Harden, people were amazed. The playing style was like, all right, that's fine because it's effective. It's only when you get to like year seven year eight of doing it the same way and failing that the boobirds start coming in full force
0: Oh yeah um, and and Luca you guess what next couple
1: years well, well he well he got the monkey off his back this year if they had somehow lost to Utah or even had kind of gotten smoked by Phoenix let's say they were down 20 if that had gone four1 or something you would have heard some claiming the fact that he got to the conference final I think definitely buys time.
0: No, it buys time, but now he sets the, the bar higher. If he could get to the conference finals with this team, it sets the bar higher. And now if he falls short in the first round, second round, all these guys are going to go through that cycle, right? Like Giannis went through it too. And I am I was the biggest critic where Giannis, at one point, oh my God, they, they got to the second round. He's only, whatever, 23 years old. And then you have a, ser- a series against the Heat um, where you kind of fall flat. And that's going to happen to Luka. It will, and people will turn on him. And be like, oh, this is a guy who everyone's calling a top three player in the league right now.
1: I think it really depends on where, um, how favored or how much of an underdog Dallas is. Um, Like if they come back with next year's roster looking largely similar, it'll be different. With Milwaukee, they were putting up 60 win seasons and flaming out in the playoffs. So I think that was the key. We'll have to see. I mean, I don't disagree that Luka, people are not going to give him that benefit of the doubt. Like if he's the superstar, everyone says he is, he's going to get clowned for early playoff losses. And next year could very well happen, right? Like we went through this last week. There are so many good teams out West. I don't see Dallas's roster necessarily as one of the top five rosters in the West, you know, top to bottom. So it will be hard for them to even advance out of around one potentially.
0: You're right. You're right. But but Nathan, let me, let me ask you this. Think about all the, the top 10 players in the league today. They've all been in a series in the past, whatever, 10 years where they were the favorite, they lost, and everyone kind of threw their reputation, you know, or kind of started, right? So Kawhi, for example, they lost against the Nuggets when they should have won that. No one's like LeBron's obviously happened to. Um, Giannis lost to the Heat. Um, So all these guys will have that. I think Luka will go through that at some point too, um, as great as he is, so...
1: Yep. Yeah. No, I think we'll see. So tomorrow night is gonna be game five. I, I mean look, like the Warriors have pretty much all of the advantages across the board. They're just bludgeoning Dallas on the glass. Dallas made its threes in game four. If it does it again, it'll have a chance. It truly it personifies live and die by the three. Um Miami just personifies die by the three. So that's kind of where these two <laughs> series are at. Um I I, I don't know, man, like can a guy get a close basketball game? Maybe tomorrow night is the answer. I don't. I don't know. What, like, I just don't know.
0: I'm already resigned to like screw these series. Warriors, Celtics. I'm going to hope for some close games there.
1: Cause... So this was the other thing I was going to say, by the way. Zach Cram of The Ringer put out a uh, an article today about sort of the percent of blowouts and things of that nature. And the last playoffs that was the biggest number of blowouts. And actually bigger than this one was the 2000 and, and uh, not just number of blowouts, but margin of victory was a 2016 playoffs, which, of course, we would never remember for that because we got an insane Warriors uh, Thunder series with game six clay. And then we got an insane Cavs Warrior series, 3-1 comeback, 41 spot in game five for LeBron and Kyrie and then the LeBron Brock Kyrie shot in game seven. And so... We are fickle beasts as humans, and all we need is just like a little bit of glimmer of hope. One of these series turns good. The finals turns good. In five years, we'll never remember all these other uh, shitty games.
0: You're absolutely right about that. So hopefully it all comes down to the finals. No one remembers. If a conference finals is bad and the finals is good, no one cares, right? You're right. So, But if a conference finals is good and a finals is bad, you still remember the conference finals. You remember 2002 Lakers-Kings. You remember 2000, 2018
1: Rockets Warriors. 2018 Rockets
0: Warriors. So that's the difference. And I I just wish we had something
1: like... 2012 Celtics Heat. Yeah, there you go. A lot of them. 2013 Heat Pacers, the Game 7, Paul George.
0: 2017 Wizards. Oh, wait, no. Did the Wizards make the conference final? Are you mocking no? me? Have they, they've made it before though, right? How am Right? In the last 10 years? 20? 30? We were one of the top three teams of the century. Wait, last 40 years, they must have made it. 50? No, I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) (laughs) How many Kings playoff games have you been alive for?
0: Hey, we've made the conference finals like 20 years ago, okay?
1: The Kings have had a better uh, run of success in our lifetimes, but if you shorten it to our adulthood, then I'm smoking you.
0: Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no competition.
1: So we both turned eighteen. You turned uh, two thousand five, two thousand six range, and since then, you actually have not seen a Kings playoff game as a legal adult. Or it was two thousand six, the last year. Two
0: thousand six. Okay. No, but I wasn't. I wasn't eighteen yet in two thousand six because I turned eighteen before. that som- that December.
1: Oh, that December. That's right, Eric. Yeah, so
0: I was not. Holy shit, that. I was not a legal oh, adult. That. Yeah, you're right.
1: You literally could. You've been sitting on like thousands of scratchers and lottery tickets that you've been able to purchase in those 15 years, but you cannot say you've attended a Kings game. So the Kings playoff game yeah, anyway, yeah. well, we got a lot of time to talk about Kings wizards as we gear up for the draft and gear up for whatever mid-level exceptions we signed this summer. I'm excited about uh, potentially, you know, maybe we sign and trade Robert for Robert Covington, something like that. <laughs> but um Anyway, that's a wrap for us. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Thick and Thin Hoops. Please follow us on social media. We will talk to you next week.